Yeah, so that uh, that goes double uh, for the Browns game and then also for uh, my computer software because we began recording this uh, post-game show, and to be honest with you, we got about two-thirds of the way through, and then I realized that while it said it was recording, it actually wasn't really recording the sound. So <laughs> I apologize. You are not going to get our full and raw... Uh, uh, emotion and thoughts on what transpired today this is take two and here we go i'm yeah. dan this is steven lotl browns post game show uh we are coming to you after the browns lose in seattle 24 to 20 steven take two how we doing i feel like we've been playing a video game for the last hour and we just forgot, forgot to, to save, save it. Yeah, and now we have to replay. The worst That's... part about it is I I didn't even know nothing like something was wrong because everything on my computer looks like it was it was fine. Uh, so yeah, well, I don't know what the hell happened. Well, one thing's for certain, the Browns would probably like a replay as well, particularly of the first quarter and of the final drive on both sides of the ball, because honestly, they outside of that from beginning of second quarter until about. 205 left in the fourth quarter. The Browns were fabulous in every phase of the game. Yeah. But the problem continues to be twofold. One, that they're giving up points and the defense is flat at the start of games. And two, turnovers. My yeah. goodness gracious, turnovers continue to be a problem. Bad, man. For the Browns' offense. Really bad. Giving Seattle a short field that led to their second touchdown. And then ultimately, on the what we believe to be the decisive play of the game right before the two-minute warning every game. of the second half. This is every game. This is the story of this season. The Browns turn the ball over. You can, If you're playing the Browns, you can count on getting one, two, three, even maybe four turnovers in a game. Somehow we're four and three. We have a winning record. Somehow. We haven't won the turnover battle in any individual game in a, this season. In a not-so-easy first half of the schedule for the Browns. Yeah, not easy at all when you consider the teams they've had to play. We haven't won a turnover battle once. I think we've only tied it once. We lose the turnover battle almost every game. Can't keep doing this. Now, you made the point last week, and it's still a valid point now. Trestle ball is not a bad thing. No, like, not with this defense. And again, again, last week and then the first quarter of today, notwithstanding, it, it's not a bad thing. And, and we'll get into it again because this is take two about the situation that happened at the end of the game that's being litigated to no end on social media. Hmm. You've got the you've got the coach apologists. You've got you've got the people who don't even care that we won last week. There were people last week that wanted Stefanski fired. We won the game. And then there's people in the middle like us who think that it's okay to be able to criticize the coach's decision-making in key parts of games, but also being rational enough to not want the guy fired. Listen, this is going to figure itself out on its own. 
either the Browns win games and make the playoffs and Stefanski's back, or they don't make the playoffs, and I don't care how much you like Stefanski, he's gone. This is a you're in or you're out with Stefanski. You it's, make the playoffs, you're in. You do not, you're out. It's pass-fail. This season yes. is 100% pass-fail yes. as, as far 100%. as Stefanski is concerned. And listen, we're going to get into it, and we talked about this on take one. I'm just going to call it take two the whole freaking episode I'm because I'm so damn annoyed. Uh, we were already annoyed by this uh, result and then this. Yeah. I actually thought Stefanski called a really good game until he thought he was smarter than everybody in the room with the game on the line. Yeah, I mean, to to back up your point, the Browns ran the ball 40 times today. Successfully. It's 155 the, it's yards on the ground. It's the reason why they got back into the game. That and the defense woke up, which was great. Thanks. Appreciate it. But can you not sleepwalk through first quarters anymore, please? Yeah. You've done it now two weeks in a row. I mean, last week against you the Colts. Just, last didn't. week against the Colts, you really weren't good the entire game. It's just that was the first game where they started creating turnovers. They made big plays. And Miles Garrett is freaking offset superhero. the fact that they were just giving up yards and touchdowns. On Which, the by the way, I didn't mention this in uh, Week One, but this should have also this should have been another game where Miles Garrett put a stamp on him being Defensive Player of the Year. You know what's the thing that we've talked about? a lot throughout Miles' first couple years in the league. He makes plays. Lots of sacks, but he makes them in the first, not second in quarter. Time and doesn't and not in a way that, that impacts guy, the game. That guy had his, had his sack in the fourth quarter, which if his offense and the head coach would have done things correctly, should have been part of the reason why we won the game. He He's made the play in crunch time when the defense needed one and sacked Geno Smith which knocked them out of field goal range and On forced them down. to punt. Forced them to punt, right. Yeah. The which, Seahawks would have tied the game there. Yes. Which had this uh, whole, this led to the whole sequence where the Browns had the ball and were trying to run the clock out and win the game. Yeah. Here's, yeah, I agree. Here's my thing about what happened because we're just going to go right to third and three because we can we can talk about the missed opportunities, and I'm sure we will with PJ Walker missing David and Joku uh, on the Harrison Bryant uh, play in the end zone. Then on the very next drive, he missed Elijah Moore when he just locked onto Amari Cooper. There could have been six guys on Amari Cooper on that play, and he was going to throw it at him. But Elijah Moore was wide open in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, we could also talk about Cam Mitchell dropping a for sure walk-in pick six. Oh, that's the one that just kills me. But absolutely kills me. I got we got I we got to talk. And again, take one. We talked about this for about fifteen minutes. This is going to end up being a little bit shorter of a post-game show because we're not going to be rambling as much. Uh, we're going to basically just get right to the point. We're eight minutes in, and we're already talking about the biggest play of the entire night, no, the entire day game. <sighs> Passing on third and three right before the two-minute warning. You had mentioned in take one that you can kind of see it both ways because either passing or running, the clock was going to stop after that play no matter what because of the two-minute warning. For me, the decision to pass or run doesn't come down to whether you can run the clock. For me... 
I just my biggest thing with Kevin Stefanski has always been situations. It's always been situational play calling. For me, if you have Deshaun Watson in the game, assuming Deshaun Watson is playing well like he did like he did against Tennessee, the game where he got injured. So that's the Okay, he played five plays in the Colts game, but he he wasn't healthy in that game. He tried to play, he wasn't right, whatever. The last time I remember Deshaun Watson playing was against Tennessee where he played his best game as a Brown and we were all coming out of that game. We had won that game 27 to 3. We're like, "All right, here we go. This is the Deshaun Watson that we thought we were getting when we traded for him and, you know, gave him the fully guaranteed contract. Let's go." To me, if if Deshaun Watson was playing and was in that spot and Kevin Stefanski wanted to call a pass play on third and three, I am not going to have an objection. Even if even if the outcome was the same, will it was it will it be frustrating as hell? Yeah, because we ended up losing the game. But I can understand when you have your franchise quarterback, the guy that you spent a historic amount of money on at the time, that you fully guaranteed his contract. Yes, put the ball in his hand and go win the game. When you have a third-string, turnover-prone quarterback who had already turned the ball over twice, you had two turnovers going into that play. They were both by P.J. Walker. It was a fumble and an interception. Couple that with the fact that you were running the ball extremely well, especially in the second half, namely in the fourth quarter. I mean... Very rarely were you getting stopped for one to two yards. You were going four yards, six yards, five yards, eight yards, seven yards, pops. You weren't popping big ones, but they were, man, our offensive line and our running backs, you know, we don't have Nick Chubb anymore, but I got to say our running backs, especially today, played a hell of a job or did a hell of a job. Third and three, for me, with all of that going in, I'm running the ball there. And for me, at the very worst, I get stuffed, I don't get it, and I have the opportunity to punt the ball away and put the Seahawks, who in the second half did nothing on offense. Nada. Nothing. They haven't done a darn thing since halftime. They really, didn't score, the they didn't, quarter, they didn't really. score a point. Nothing. All you had to do if you didn't get it with the run was punt the ball and put them at like the 10-yard line and make them go the length of the field to get a field goal opportunity to try and tie the game. The interception, not only was it absolute worst-case scenario, I thought the defense was absolutely shell-shocked when that play happened. I'm convinced that everybody on that sideline, aside from Kevin Stefanski, P.J. Walker, and maybe Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator, were convinced that the Browns were going to run the ball there. Maybe that was part of it, that they were going with the element of surprise, and they were trying to catch Seattle off guard. But again... Maybe that's what it was. But again, (sighs) to your point, that's a very ballsy thing when you're talking again about a third-string quarterback who has been very injury... uh, Not injury, very... um, Turnover prone. Yes. It's it's there yeah, were it's a lot of risk. Yes. There were in my opinion, and it ended up happening, so obviously I have the benefit of hindsight, but 
there were way more there was way more risk and way more things that could have gone wrong throwing the ball than running the ball. Yeah. Absolutely. When you're a head coach, your job is to put your team in the best position to win and mitigate risk. That's why I I would have run the ball in that situation with PJ Walker at quarterback. I'm sorry, I'm not putting the ball in PJ Walker's hands to win a game if I don't have to. If it was third and eight, fine. The decision's taken out of your hands. You have to throw. You're not going to convert third and eight running the ball. Right. It was third and three. Like I said, you were running the ball well. You were not getting stuffed for no gain running the ball in the whole second half. And another thing I just thought of, you know Kareem Hunt didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter? No, I didn't know that. That's another thing. He talked about it after the game. He's like, gee, I, I, I would have loved an opportunity to try and help the team down the stretch. Yeah, Pierre Strong was in the game. Pierre Strong and, and Jerome Ford, who who hadn't played most of the game. He, you know, he came into the game hurt. He was active. He didn't play most of the first half and third quarter, and then all of a sudden he was thrown in there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the interesting part about this is that Kareem Hunt had the best day statistically of the three running backs. He had 14 carries, which was the most. Uh, Pierre Strong had 10. Jerome yeah. Ford had nine. Kareem Hunt had the lone touchdown on the yeah. ground. So, yeah, why, again, why not, wouldn't you be running him with the game on the line? Right, that, I, that, I'm not putting, that I'm not putting on Stefanski. Stunt, uh, running back coach Stump Mitchell is, uh, is the guy who essentially uh, splits up who plays like when for the running backs, hmm. especially with – uh, Nick Chubb being out and, you know, you having to turn to uh, Pierre Strong and Kareem Hunt, which Kareem Hunt's been with the team, but he was not on the team when the season started. So, you know, and Pierre Strong was not on the team when the season started. So, um, yeah, I I just – they were running the ball so well. It was third and three. Like, just it, – it's, it's just no. – he it, it gets – he – Stefanski just overcomplicates things a lot. In those, like, situations. Yeah, and my initial thought was, yeah, the time contributed to the decision to pass because even if you ran the ball, you weren't going to be able to run clock in that situation. Yeah. But now I'm thinking of from a potential other angle, too. If it's third down and three yep. and you run the ball, let's say maybe you don't get the first down, but maybe you end up with, like, fourth and two or fourth and one. Yeah. You know, and you put yourself in the situation where now it's out beyond the two minute warning. It's next play is beyond the two minute warning, and you're in a situation now where if you go for it and pick it up, you that's probably ball game. And Seattle had two timeouts left, but then they at best they would have been out of timeouts and under a minute to go if they got the ball back. Which you know, as you've said many times, if you are behind late and you don't have timeouts, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. So. It is kind of surprising, given Stefanski's penchant for going for it on fourth down in those situations, that he did not put the ball on the ground on third and three. Yeah, you know, and not put it all on the line on that particular play. But uh, as we said before, maybe they were trying to catch Seattle off guard, and it just completely didn't work. So, yeah. E- either I, way, um, oh, this whole situation—the reason we're talking about this whole situation again—is. The ongoing Deshaun Watson injury saga, which, uh, you know, as you said before, the Browns should have just put him on IR and had him just sit the four yeah, weeks. Yeah, again, in hindsight. But I know, just, I, listen, that whole I, thing has been weird from the very beginning. They have, they have bungled that like, like you wouldn't believe, you know? 
from the mixed messages, the you know, and then they, the Browns basically get caught with their pants down in the Ravens game, where you know they didn't know the extent of the injury because of the swelling. They weren't able to actually get in there and see what was going on. They thought it was just a bruise when it really wasn't. It was actually you know something was going on with the rotator cuff, like. And that's not really anybody's fault. If you can't, you know, there's too much swelling, you're not going to be able to see everything in an MRI. You know, no. I'm not I'm not a doctor, but I know that. If there's too much swelling, it's hard to kind of see what's going on. So, that, and, then, and then, you know, it got leaked out where Deshaun was telling everybody, hey, I'm going to play, it's a bruise, I'm fine, I'm going to play, I'm going to play, I'm going to play. And then he warmed up on Sunday. They got the MRI on. They actually got only got to the MRI the Saturday before the Ravens game because that was when the, some of the swelling was alleviated, and they were actually able to get in there and look at things. And that's when they kind of saw something, and they're like, Deshaun thought he could play through it. He he's like, let's war-, you know, the team was like, well, let's warm you up before the game. And when he went out to warm up, he's like, oh, I can't, I can't do this. He couldn't throw the ball farther than ten yards. So that's when all this happened on Sunday morning. All hell broke loose when he couldn't play. And then obviously you're an hour and a half or two hours before the game and you got to get a rookie fifth-round quarterback ready to try and play the Ravens. I mean, the the Browns lost before the game started. This whole – that whole situation is reminiscent of some student who just didn't study for the test until like the day or the night of. Yeah. And what I mean by that is is like was Deshaun Watson – Participating in practice the three days that week? No. Was he throwing passes that week? No. Like, that should have been the first clue that something was significantly wrong, and he should have at least been, you know, denoted as questionable or doubtful. I don't even know what his injury status was, but, like, (laughs) this this should not have been, like, a... 11th hour surprise like it was oh yeah Dorian Thompson Robinson is starting now like, but then after even after the <clears throat> even in the post game press conference after the Ravens game Stefanski said yeah he expects Deshaun to play against the 49ers and then he didn't play against the 49ers poor messaging poor handling of the situation and you know we didn't really litigate this too much like they have in the media but we didn't care so much because the Browns were winning the, you know, well we they, won they the game San Francisco we beat we had the bye week. The next week. And then we had, well, we had the bye you week. Know, this is the first time we've lost since that Baltimore game. Yeah. And now the question is, okay, what, where is Deshaun? Because you're well, we talking had... about a game where, you know, down in the red zone, P.J. Walker's just straight up not seeing guys, and not even just in the red zone. He was not seeing guys in the middle or the flat a lot today. Well, that's the other you thing know, about that third down play he's, was he's there not, were two guys open, and he's not P.J. was down. just locking into Amari Cooper. Yeah. It, it's weird that you know he's doing this lock-on thing, which is very, which is not good. That's something you see a lot of inexperienced and bad quarterbacks do. Yeah. And then the other side of it is, is you know, would Deshaun Watson be doing that? No. If if he was in the game, we probably would have had another touchdown, maybe two. And yeah, because I, have been in I, position I don't, I don't to know. Again, I, come we, back this late is, in this, this game. Is, this is the second take of this post game show. This is the I don't first know. time I, I can don't legitimately know. say that we probably lost this game because Deshaun Watson was not in. Yeah, and I don't know if we talked about this on take two, but take one, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, the Browns scored six points in the second half. They ended up kicking two short field goals, which, my opinion, were the right calls because the defense had uh, righted itself, and I I was to the point where I didn't know if Seattle was going to score again. So you just find a way to get the lead. You kick a field goal, you kick a field goal, you got the lead, great. Um, But if you go back to those plays – 
you remember the the throw to Harrison Bryant. If you if you look at that replay underneath, David Njoku is wide open in the flat. There was nobody near him, and he would have walked into the end zone on a touchdown. The second one, the one where P.J. Walker literally took the ball, turned to the right, and as I said earlier, threw it, and it didn't matter if there were six guys on Amari Cooper. He was throwing it to Amari Cooper. Well, by the way, Elijah Moore was going on a crossing route at the goal line and was wide open and would have scored a touchdown again. So, like, I guess the third and three wouldn't have mattered. And then, you know, we talked about the pick six that, that we dropped. It would have been a walk-in, but uh, we still had a chance to win the game if we just would have made the right call on that third and three. So, yeah. Going back to the pick six, it annoys me to no end that we can have a defensive end, and by this I mean Maurice Hurst. Defensive tackle. Literally, you know, bat the ball up into the air, look around for it, locate it, catch it one-handed with the other hand, making one of the best interceptions I've seen from a D lineman maybe ever, and a DB can't even make a freaking catch interception catch on an out route yeah. and run the and I, I that's just oh man when you're playing a good team on the road those opportunities are opportunities you have to convert I'm sorry yeah 100%. that play that play pissed me off more than like any other in the game other than maybe the decisive third down that we've we litigated yeah but like it's that's it, you know. You make you make enough plays, you win the game, and you don't, you don't. And yeah, and listen, that's listen. We're allowed to say that that the head coach, and again, we're saying the head coach because he's also the play caller, uh, screwed up the end of the game. But that doesn't mean we're saying that we want him fired. Again, that will play itself out on its own. I don't need to say I want the coach fired. It's literally like you said. It's it's a you're in or you're out proposition. Either at the end of the year the Browns are going to make the playoffs and Stefanski's going to keep his job and probably get a contract extension at that point, or the Browns are not going to make the playoffs. I don't care how, and he's gone. Pass fail. Pass like you said. said. Pass fail. Yep. And again, the NFL has turned into a pass fail week to week league. That's why when he makes. Stupid decisions. The fans are going to be, oh, fire him, fire him, fire him. It's just, that's not what that's not what we're conveying. We're trying to say that, yeah, the coach screwed up, but that doesn't mean that he's fired. I, I thought 90% of that game, Stefanski actually was really good. But, you know, when you don't make the plays that you need to make, you have to make these certain decisions at the end of the game, which, for me, he failed at. So, bottom line, the Browns are 4-3. and three. They lose to Seattle today. You look ahead, next week is Arizona. Arizona is one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yep. you got to get that one, especially because the next two weeks after that will decide the season. Are Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And whether those games are wins or losses, y'all need... You don't need me to tell you just how incredibly important that's going to be. I mean, two big-time AFC North games right back-to-back right after this Arizona game. But, again, can't you have to be focused on Arizona. I mean, you can't just, like, look past them. But that has to be a win, period, if you're going to go where you want to go now. Yeah. So uh, we might as well transition to going around the league at this point. Yep. Uh, looking first in the AFC North, again, Pittsburgh, thankfully, got beat today. 
Yes, thank they God. They were not able to just, you know, fake it until they make it, as so to speak, as it seems like they've been doing a lot lately. Today, my boy Travis Etienne dropped a real hammer blow on them in the late third quarter with that long bomb from Trevor Lawrence. They just didn't have the offensive firepower to overcome that. And, you know, defense. Thankfully, Doug Peterson is smart and ran the ball most of the fourth quarter and was not giving that vaunted pass rush the chance to really disrupt the game. So Jacksonville wins 20-10. to 10. Steelers fall to 4-3 and three with that. Jacksonville has now won five in a row and are 6-2. and two. They are. They're a Super Bowl contender. Super hot right now. They're absolutely a Super Bowl contender. They're on a five-game winning streak. Every single one of those five wins was against a team above 500 when they played them. They've not played a bad team in the bunch. I had Jacksonville going to the AFC Championship game. I even thought that, that I, I, I even thought I was not saying that. Yeah. But I mean, maybe after week three, it looked like a really bad prediction. But right now, they are they are roaring. Yep. The uh, Jaguars, um, the Bengals. Here's where it gets a little more unfortunate. They are all thought, the way back. I thought the Niners were going to take care of business today, and they did not. Well, Cincinnati uh, this wins game, this in game, San Fran. Well, yeah. This game basically, to 17. basically comes down to one team had Joe Burrow, the other team had Brock Purdy. And, and I know though, you love you some Brock Purdy. Even though Brock Purdy, Purdy threw for a whole bunch of yards he today, he threw two costly interceptions, yeah. one of which set the Bengals up inside the Niners 20. You can't, can't do that. That's... That's one of the worst things you can do in terms of trying to be able to win games, setting teams up on a short field. So that's San Fran's third loss in a row. Everybody was singing their praises big time yeah. after their five and zero start, but now yeah, oof, they're they're in trouble. They are not looking good. They're all not of a in sudden. first place in their division anymore. No, they are not. Seattle is now in first place in the NFC West. Yeah, if you can believe that. Um, and then we got Baltimore, and Baltimore was playing Arizona, who we play next week. Uh, out at the giant toaster and Baltimore had a big lead in this game. Arizona kind of made it competitive in the end. They got the backdoor cover, which I liked, but love it. Uh, in the it end, love it. In the end, the Ravens Cash win it. this game 31, 24. That just underlies the point. Like if you have a double digit underdog at playing at home, like I don't care who that is. You have to take them. I don't care um, who you play. I, seriously. They're almost always going to cover that. Yep. So, yeah, so the Ravens are now 6-2. and two. They're atop the AFC North. They're a game and a half in front of all three of the other teams. Pittsburgh, who is second on tiebreaker, Cleveland third on tiebreaker, and Cincinnati last on tiebreaker, yep. as they have not won a division game yet. But still, what a battle this is turning out to be here. You have a division right now that is collectively seven games over five hundred right now. <laughs> That's... That's pretty strong. Yeah. That is by kinda, far the best in the league. We kind of knew it going into the season. Uh, yeah. But then the Bengals got off to that rough start, and we were thinking, oh, man, but they're just doing what they do. They start slow, and they pick it up. They've won three in a row now. You know, this This really – you could make a case for any of the four teams. I mean, if you're going for Pittsburgh, your case is probably the most questionable. But really – you could be in any team's corner at this point. I mean, Baltimore looks the best right now, but let's face it, the last two years, they looked the best at this point in the season probably too, particularly well, in yeah, I mean, they, it's They're dependent on they, Lamar's health. They lose Lamar Jackson, they're done. I yeah. mean, that's just as simple as that. So, yep, 100%. But for now, they're, they're looking like the team to beat out there. We go to the giant crab cake in two weeks. so We better be 5-3, and yeah. three, that's all I got to say. We better be. Going around quickly around the rest of the league now, so... 
Thursday night, the Bills defeated the Buccaneers barely, Ugh. 24 to 18. Buffalo just does not look very good. I think they're lucky to be five and three. But uh, well, yeah, because I mean, you know. listen, <coughs> Tampa Bay was down two scores, and it's like they were convinced they were only down one. They went on a 17 play touchdown drive. They got the ball back with 10 minutes left, thinking, okay. You know, we're down two scores. Let's get a quick score here and see if we can make a game of it. It took them 17 plays and like seven and a half minutes to score a fluky touchdown that just fell into Mike Evans' lap. Like they barely scored even before the And then the Bills running. almost gave it to him. They allowed them to get the get ball back and get a Hail Mary play. opportunity. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, I, I am not sold on the Bills whatsoever. No, I'm really not. They, they've been one of the worst teams in terms of betting against the spread this season. Yeah. I know that much. Um, going into the one o'clock window today, Dallas destroyed the LA Rams today, forty-three to twenty. Yeah, Dallas's offense just couldn't be stopped today. The Rams are not very good. Dallas, right now, has the look of probably the top wild card or second wild card team in the NFC right now. So, I mean, they're in a situation where it's going to be really hard for them to win the division, but it's also hard for them to miss the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're actually not in a bad spot. Uh, the Vikings. This is really a glass-half-empty, glass-half-full situation for them. They go to Green Bay. They beat the Packers today 24-10. to 10. That's their the fourth Packers. straight win after and the defense was pitching a shutout for much of this game. That's their fourth straight win after starting 0-4. But, 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 hmm. they lose Kirk Cousins to a torn. Yeah. Oh. Achilles, I think it was? Yep. Yeah. It was basically injury it was Aaron ba- Rodgers had. Yeah, like, and it looked almost the same. I mean, you saw he was trying to plant with a leg and, and kind of take off with it, and you saw the, the calf just ripple. So, so yeah, the trade deadline comes up on Tuesday. What does Minnesota do? Do they go for a guy know, like, a, like a Jacoby Brissett? You know, they, or, started, they started 0-4, and now they're 4-4. You know, I'm sure whoever their GM is is getting on the phone already. Former assistant Browns GM, uh, uh, Oh, oh God! What's his name? Quessy. Uh, oh shoot! <laughs> shoot! I don't know this guy. Oh, it's gonna bother. Either me. way, I I know that that's gonna be again. Trade deadline comes up on Tuesday, Halloween. I'll tell you what. That's that's actually pretty funny. Uh, a lot of Quessy teams... Adolfo Mensa. Hmm. He was the uh, he was the Browns assistant GM and then got the job in Minnesota. One line today that I just didn't understand was the Atlanta Falcons giving points to Tennessee at Tennessee. I mean, you talk about how man. If I if I hadn't if I hadn't been so cold betting uh, non picks non NFL game picks uh, bets, uh, that would have been like a three unit whale play for me. But I'm I'm in uh, I'm in damage control mode, so yeah. I'm not allowing myself to go above one unit. Oh, you were four and one on our picks today. That's yeah, really did good. well there, but I, I, yeah, I've been bad otherwise. Let's just say that. Oh, yeah. The Titans defeat the Falcons today, twenty-eight twenty-three. Will Levis had his first start in the league today. Three he touchdowns to De- three touchdowns to DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe won me tit- my fantasy league and my work league. I mean, the Titans are not a good team. Like, I don't think they're going to turn around and go to the playoffs unless if Will Levis turns out to be the second coming. But I don't know. Like, that division's not good. He's, it's not good, but I mean Jacksonville's going to win it probably. Oh, that's so, right. I forgot. Like I forgot. Ja- I was you know, thinking the competition for the wild cards in the AFC. For some reason, I was for some reason I, I forgot Jacksonville's in that division, and I thought it was Houston. Who mm. woof for them today? They now, were one, they were one of the uh, one of the uh, positive surprise teams of the year, and then uh, yeah, they uh, 
they uh, they lost to the previously defeated Carolina Panthers. Yeah, so the Panthers win this one on a walk-off field goal at the buzzer, 15-13 to against Houston. That is a crippling loss for Houston, mm-hmm. who had been trending better, uh, playing better than a lot of people suspected. But today their offense really kind of stuttered and just didn't get enough done against Carolina. And credit to Carolina. They, they made enough plays to win this one. That's your last winless team in the league off the schneid. They're now 1-6, so... Uh, well done to the Panthers. How about this? Now, if you thought that game was bad, the Jets and the Giants today played a game where the Giants had minus nine passing yards. Mm-hmm. The teams combined for 24 punts. Jeez. The Jets hey, talk about a pillow fight. pulled this game out 13-10 to 10 in overtime. In a driving rainstorm where Saquon Barkley had 36 carries in this game. Wow. So clearly the Giants were how not many interested in pass uh, like 138. Okay, so at least he got he got some yards. It wasn't like 36 carries for like 63 yards or something <laughs> like that. You know? No, but in either case, like, so the Jets are now 4-3, and three, Yeah, oddly. Like, to me, they're like, they're just like Pittsburgh. And like, Aaron, how and Aaron are they Rogers, as good as they are? And Aaron Rodgers is... Uh, is off crutches and is warming up before games. Like, is that guy actually going to come back from I Achilles can't. injury? I, mean, before th- I, I think that's a lot of smoke, but I mean, who knows? I mean, we'll see. I mean, it doesn't if, seem likely, but no, it doesn't. It, but I, you know, he's got that, he's getting that weird like treatment or whatever, but uh, staying on the East Coast, this is a scoreline I love. The Dolphins pounded the Patriots 31 to 17. Love Thank a good you, Patriot Miami. pounding. Miami gets a get a get right game, and New England is two and six. So that's yeah. awesome. Uh, the team we played last week, Indianapolis, their defense still sucks. <laughs> they gave up thirty eight points to New Orleans today, and this wow. serves me right. This is the first time, other than the Browns game, where I was obligated to that I actually bet on a game involving Indianapolis in a long time. Hmm. Not gonna do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Went against my own rule, lost. So. Yeah. 38-27, the Saints beat the Colts. These are two teams that I just cannot figure out for the life of me. No. So I don't know what I was thinking there. Indianapolis is now 3-5. and five. I think the Saints are 4-4, four and four, I want to say now. Or, or are they 4-3? and three? I'm, They're right near in the middle of the NFC mix right now. Hmm. They might actually be back in first place now that the Falcons lost and the Bucks lost this week. Take your pick between any of those three teams, whichever one of those sad sacks is going to come out of the NFC South, which is the worst division in football. Yeah. Then we have what was probably the best play game of the day. The Commanders held the lead on the Eagles for much of the day, um, partly due to the fact that the Eagles fumbled twice inside the Panthers. They fumbled on the tush push. Commanders The previously undefeated uh, tush push. I'm sorry, the brotherly shove. Whatever you want to call it, the Eagles fumbled trying to go into the end zone (laughs) on that play. And it was one of those things where the commanders were able to stem the tide for a while. But And Sam Howell had an amazing game today. At one point, he was 32 of 37. Wow. But uh, Jalen Hurts was just as good in the end. He threw four touchdowns uh, at over 320 yards passing. In the end, the commanders' D just wasn't enough. The Eagles win this game 38-31. The Eagles are now 7-1. and That is the best record in the NFL. Hmm. And we looked at their schedule. Their schedule coming up is really tough. 
So they're going to be yeah. they're going to be battle tested here. They got to play Dallas. They got to play Kansas City. They got to play San Francisco. They got to play Buffalo. Well, Buffalo and San Francisco don't look yeah, as I mean, good I, as they did a couple weeks this ago. Is true. But this is like, true. they're still both five and three. So well, both, but both of those teams are going to be desperate. No, nah, could be. Especially, I I'm, I I think by the time the Eagles play San Francisco, they should get Debo Samuel back. And speaking of the Chiefs, they sucked today. Oh God, they cost me a parlay. They scored nine points today at Denver. Denver beats you know, them twenty four to nine. That's the I had, first time that the Broncos have beaten the Chiefs since twenty fifteen. I had yeah, I had the Jets <laughs> on the money line check, and then I'm like, oh okay, well the layup is I I had Kansas City minus two and a half against. Denver. The I, had the, I had the alternate line, and they were losing the whole game and yeah. lost bad. Yeah, that was like a that wow. was like a, a plus one fifty parlay. It was just me to kind of, you know, I I said I've been, uh, I've been hurting on bets, and so that was like, oh okay, I can I can you know get you know damage control and get get some monies back. No, game back a lot of ground. There's a once. unit gone. Thanks a lot, Pat Mahomes. Great. Also, he's on my somehow I'm gonna win my fantasy game in my work league. With Patrick Mahomes only giving me five points, I don't know how the hell I did that, but I'm going to do guys that. guys must have really all done well. That's yeah, that's pretty amazing. Sunday night game is ongoing right now. That is the Bears against the Chargers. Who in the hell thought it was a good idea to <laughs> put this game on Sunday night football? Even at the beginning of the like year. the Bears? Even at like, the beginning of the year. Like, even if you were like a Chargers honk, like this is not the game you would have expected. <laughs> right. And like I get it. Like like Justin Fields was was uh you know, the national media was on the Justin Fields hype train this year and he got hurt. I was. He's not playing. Oh, I was too, but like, you know, he got hurt, he's not playing, but the rest of the Bears team is not any good. Like I I don't know. Like what would you rather have seen on Sunday Night Football this week? Uh Brown Seahawks or Brown even, Seahawks would have even, been a good choice. Even with Deshaun Hurd. Bengals 49ers would have been a good choice. Oh yeah, that well that would have been the game. Eagles Commanders as it turns out would have been good. I mean Jack, Jacksonville yeah. Pittsburgh. And again, that would have been that would have been fine. This is the benefit of hindsight, but yeah. If you're if you and if you wanted the big market teams, you could have done Rams Cowboys. That yeah. wouldn't have been the best game played game, but at least that would have been an offensive, you know, show and would have sure. drawn ratings. But, yeah, not a good choice by the league on that one. Um, and then the Monday night game, this is this is kind of a dumpy matchup too, actually. The uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, who are currently struggling and lost to the aforementioned Bears last week, they have to go to Detroit this week to play the Lions, who they were terrible a week ago against the Ravens. My suspicion is that this will be a get-right game for the Lions, but who knows? Yeah, we'll see about that. The Lions are five and two. If they win this game, they'll get to six and two, which would make them the two seed in the NFC with the Niners losing today. Hmm. So not all is lost in Detroit. I mean, they they can get right back on the stick right away. Um, yeah, just looking out a little more broadly here at the AFC, you've got again Baltimore first place in the AFC North, six and two, Pittsburgh. Cincinnati and Cleveland all with the same record at five and th- at four and three. Excuse me. Miami be- is leading. It, it, it the better East. be. It better be five and three for the Browns next it Sunday. It Miami be. is leading the East at six and two. Buffalo is five and three. The Jets are four and three. Jacksonville is the only team over five hundred in the South at six and two. And then out west, likewise, Kansas City is the only team over five hundred at six and two. Also, so right now, yeah, I don't know what your seating is five. Well, Buffalo is five at five and three, and then six, seven, eight, and nine are, are Pittsburgh, New York Jets, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, all four and three. So, try to figure that one out. Maybe we're in right now. Maybe we're not. I don't know. But we're we're right on that cut line, and hmm. 
you know, that's kind of where I figured we'd be. I had I had us being four and three through seven games. We're yep. right on schedule, and yep. we have to stay on schedule next week and beat Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I had them. I did that. Then have us splitting the next two after that between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. That would not be the end of the world. No. Obviously, you'd want to win both of them. That would be awesome. Yeah, I think realistically, if you split both and you're six and four after ten games, the schedule that you have coming after that is such that you can make this work. Yeah, you could you could rattle off three, four. In you a row play the Rams. You play Denver. You play the Bears. I mean, there's, there's Texans. Teams, I mean, Jacksonville's in there. They're tough. Cincinnati, yeah. you got to play again. They're tough. Since he's like, the last game of the year, but like you, you'll be able to make this work. But you can't get knocked out by both. Baltimore and Pittsburgh. No. So that's going to put you one and four in the yeah. AFC North. You're not going to come back at from the that. at at the absolute minimum. You have to win that Steelers game at home. Yeah, the absolute minimum. Yeah, I mean, if you go, if, if we win Sunday and you go into Baltimore and you get a win, now we're cooking. You really have a very legit shot at winning the division if you do that. Yeah, I think it would. I hate to say this because I didn't think Baltimore would be in this position, but if you lose to Baltimore again. Yeah, you're, you really yeah. the only way that you would finish in front of Baltimore at Is that if point Lamar would be hurt. if it, that Lamar Jackson injury and then they just fold scenario yeah. occurs for the third year in a row, which yeah could happen. But I mean, you're kind of begging for that at this point. Yeah, at that point, if you don't beat him head to head the second time. Yeah, but anyway, that's where we stand, <laughs> and hopefully, we are in a much more celebratory mood, and we get the podcast done in one take next week. <laughs> Yeah, we've actually been recording for like an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and get out of here. But you can follow us on social media. At Stiffs McGee. At Daniel J. Ford. You can follow the show at the LOTL podcast. Must win for Browns next Sunday. We will be here after the game uh, and uh, hopefully after a Browns win uh, going into the biggest two-game stretch of the entire season. So for Steven, I'm Dan. And for Champ, who's uh, sleeping on the floor over here. Had enough of us talking for – two takes uh we will catch you guys hopefully this week uh for an episode of lotl we will preview uh this game against the cardinals coming up and uh we'll see you then see ya